So this morning, as I was having quiet time, I was um, reading in Psalms and Psalm 1. What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His passion is to remain true to the word of I am, meditating day and night on the true revelation of light. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of life. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. It just really spoke to me today about this is what when we delight in him these are the things we get to enjoy of him just his refreshing and his truth his steadfastness and I just really want to encourage you guys tonight as we enter into worship just to really press into him and just seek his face for whatever circumstance may be going on in your life or just to get to be closer to him know him more and more so that when he whispers we can hear that still small voice of his so many different things we could open with but Tammy already cracked open the the alabaster box so why don't we just if you can if you can stand room is so off balance that's okay it's okay oh hey you know we just if it's your first time here you're welcome to move about if during worship if you feel you just need to pace or stretch your arms out um, we're not glued to our seats we don't have name tags on seats, <laughs> right? I know how it is in some churches, though. Boy, you sit in my seat, and I'm going to come over there and tell you. We're free with the seats. We're free to move about the cabin. Um, we just, our, our heart in this place is to encounter the Lord's presence. The Bible tells us that, that God inhabits the praises of his people. I believe it's Psalm 22. He inhabits the praises of his people. In other translations, it says he is enthroned on the praises of his people. So from our experience, as we worship the Lord, we have this expectancy of his presence just resting on us. Now, to be biblical and scriptural, you already have the Holy Spirit in you, seated on the throne of your heart. So if you're a Christian, if you've said, Jesus, come into my life, I trust you as my Lord and Savior that you forgave my sins on the cross. Having believed in him, having put your trust in him, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, comes into your spirit in that moment. He seals you. He seals the deal with inside of you, making you his very own possession. 
But there's also the infilling of the Spirit where the presence of God will come in a mightier way inside of you, flooding your body, flooding you. Sometimes people tremble in the presence of God because He's holy. He's mighty. He is awesome. And He's worthy of, of all that we are to be presented to Him as a sacrifice of worship. So there's that. But then there's this other place of worship where the presence of God descends upon a congregation of people. Or sometimes it's just you by yourself worshiping the Lord, and you might feel the wind of heaven coming down over you. I know for me, that's the first time I felt the Lord's presence. I was worshiping and reading my Bible, and I felt the wind of God in my living room that had no ceiling fan. I felt the wind. I felt it coming down on me, and it broke me. I was so broken before the Lord because I knew he was showing himself to me in a, in a new way, in a manifest way, a tangible way. So I just want to whet your appetite this evening for just you and Jesus, just you and the presence of God to interact with one another as you lift up your worship to him because he's worthy. So let's just pray and we're going to dive right in. Jesus, we thank you for your presence tonight. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this room, that you would come and you would have your way, that you would move amongst us, Lord, that you would, you would touch our minds and touch our bodies, touch our emotions, and bring us into a place of greater alignment with, with the kingdom of God, with heaven. We just say we love you tonight, and we worship you in this place. God, we're here to exalt your name. And as we worship you, we know that you are going to move on our city. You're going to move on our families. You're going to go forth on our behalf, on, the, on behalf of the kingdom, and advance your glory in this region and in our lives. So we thank you, Lord. Let's worship him, you guys. You ready? Okay, let's go. first time for everything. Well, it's either angels in the room. Yeah, thank you, Lord. We're just going to keep rolling forward. We're not going to let this be a distraction. We just thank you, God. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We worship you in this place, Jesus. We exalt you, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, we know we're here for one purpose, and that is to come to worship you, to offer up the sacrifices of praise that you're worthy of. We exalt your name in this place, King Jesus. Even as we were singing, hail King Jesus, all hail the name of Jesus. Your name is the name that is above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, we hail you. All hail King Jesus. All hail King Jesus. Lord of heaven and earth. 
There is none greater than you, none more powerful than you. We stand in awe in your presence. We look upon your beauty and glory. Nothing, nothing is more powerful than you, Jesus. Nothing can interfere with what you're doing. No one can interfere with what you do. No one can interfere with your love towards us. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. We glorify you, Lord. We lift you up and exalt you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for sending your Son for us to die for our sins and to rise again. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, we want more of you, more of you. <laughs> we can't do anything without you, Lord. We don't want any part of our lives to be untouched by you. We don't want to go a single step without you, without being wrapped around you, Lord. All we ask is that we could know you more, Lord. We just ask that your Holy Spirit would reveal more of yourself to us. That the things of earth would grow strangely dim compared to your glory and your love and your kindness and your mercy. That the things of our lives would go strangely dim compared to your infinite love, your boundless love. Lord, that we wouldn't just know in our heads and our minds that we're sons and daughters. Lord, show us more of you that we would know in our hearts that we belong to you. that we would know without a doubt. We are a son, we are a daughter of the Most High. No one else is worthy but you, We're going to just go ahead and move on to a time of communion tonight. Why am I using a microphone? Check, check. There we go. <laughs> wow. Well, I had no idea we were going to have that interesting sound. We've never had that before, but that's okay. 
that doesn't mean that the Lord's presence lifted off the meeting and now we're all alone and he's not here. No, he's, he's here. He is here. He is in this place. He's here to, to just be with us. You know, the reason why the church gathers is so that we could encourage one another all the more as each day goes forward, as each day draws closer to the actual return of King Jesus. And that's the truth, is he will return. He will come again to this planet. But until that comes, until that day happens, he gave us the, the command to occupy. Occupy, extend his kingdom. Go and make disciples. And gather together, not forsaking the coming together of believers, but doing this more and more as that day approaches. And part of what we do as, as a family of believers is we, we gather around worship and we gather around the Lord's table. We remember what Jesus did for us. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, we're going to dispense the elements, the bread and the, the grape juice or wine. We have your choice. You can have wine or grape juice. And if you want to just go ahead and come up and then take your Take your elements to your seat. You want to hold the wine, I'll do these two. And we'll just kind of step forward. So on your marks, get set, go. Tammy has the wine, even though it says win. I couldn't find the pen to redo that letter E. Thank you, Jesus. Scripture, the first will be last and the last will be first. Church, we, we don't do this just out of repetition. We don't do this as just some ritual because Jesus told us to do it. Although we do partake of this out of obedience to the Lord because he did command us to do this in remembrance of him. But it's more than just a remembrance. This is a continuation of our worship. 
you know, we, we center our lives as believers around what Jesus did for us on the cross. There's so much that he opened up from heaven towards earth when he died on the cross and he said, it is finished. So much he paid for. Most Christians, maybe not most, but a lot of Christians, they just, they limit it to forgiveness of sins. Ah, I put my trust in Jesus, I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven when I die. That's true, but that's not all. The power of the cross, the power of Jesus' blood is for our forgiveness, for our healing, and for our freedom or deliverance. Jesus Christ is the deliverer. He came to set us free, set the captives free, so that at any place in our lives where there is a captivity of the enemy, maybe it's just a part of your thinking, maybe it's just a stronghold habit in your life. He came to break the chains. He's the chain-breaking king. And his cross was the answer to all of the, the bondage, all of the, all of the control, all of the authority of the devil. And his, his blood was for our forgiveness, for our deliverance, and for the healing of our bodies. By his stripes we are healed. Many people have experienced physical healing as they've taken communion. Some people have experienced healing as they, as they worship the Lord. Um, yeah, I just want to real quick, I want to just ask if you wouldn't mind if you can silence your phone, <laughs> if you can figure that out. Um, so let's, let's do this together. We're going to continue to worship the Lord, and we're going to make a few declarations We haven't used Benny Johnson's book in a while. You know, the Bible tells us that when we do this, when we take this, this communion in remembrance of Jesus, we should examine ourselves first. So let's just take a moment. Let's ask ourselves a few questions. Maybe you can ask God this. But is there anyone that you need to forgive? Is there anyone whom you have been unkind to? Then if so, just right now in this moment, just ask God to forgive you and commit to him that you will go and make things right as soon as you can. If there's any bitterness or unforgiveness inside of you, you want to give that to him right now. Bitterness and unforgiveness is of no use to you and me. It's like poison. It will destroy us from the inside out. Forgive anyone you need to forgive and make it right with God. So let's just ask him together, Jesus, is there anyone I need to forgive? As he brings people to mind, 
as you see their face, as you hear their name. Just pray out with me now, Jesus, I choose to forgive them. I release them from this offense that I have. I forgive them just as you forgave me. So hold the bread in your hand. This bread represents Jesus and his broken body. It represents our healing. Do you need healing in your body today? Do you need emotional freedom? Is your spirit crushed and you need Jesus to come and heal you with his touch? If you need a miracle, put your hand on your heart. And let this prophetic word from the book of Isaiah sink into your heart right now. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, his wounds, we are healed. I'm just gonna ask you to do this now. If there's a part of your body that you need healing, whether it's your physical heart or your emotional heart, just put your hand over that area now. Let's just declare this, I am healed. Jesus, I receive your healing. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, I just release the power of God in this place as it is your will that healing would go forth over bodies, over hearts, and over minds. And that you would release strength by your spirit. God, we thank you tonight. Lord, we hold this bread before us and we give you thanks, thanksgiving and praise for the broken body that you gave on the cross for us. So I'm gonna make a declaration over us and then we're gonna eat the bread. Your body, your soul, and your spirit will be well in the name of Jesus. You will walk in well-being. He died for you. He died for me. Jesus, come. Thank you for your broken body. Jesus, I declare healing into this place, into these bodies by the power of your name that they would walk in total well-being. Thank you, Jesus. You are no respecter of persons. Everyone can come to the table, and we thank you in Jesus' name. So let's go ahead and hold the cup before you. Matthew 26, 27 through 28 says, And when he had taken the cup, and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new and better covenant, which ratifies the agreement and is being poured out for many as a substitutionary atonement for the forgiveness of sins. So as we take this cup in our hands, this cup represents the blood of Jesus, our salvation. Jesus' blood changed everything for each one of us forever. Changed your life forever.
when the stone was rolled away, he rose in victory. And we get to participate in that victory and live forever under the new covenant. You and I are able to go boldly before the throne of heaven. And we have a savior who intercedes on our behalf. You will never be alone. You will never be found unworthy of his love. By his blood, we've been saved. We are saved, healed, and delivered. Let's just hold this cup before the Lord and just declare this with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We declare your blessing, King Jesus, over our families. take the cup together. Thank you, God. That was good. God is good. Praise Him. Wow. Well, Things went in a little bit different direction than what I was planning, but that's okay. We're just going to keep moving forward. Hmm. Sorry, I need my phone and this little device here. Is that music going to be too distracting for you guys? Is it too loud? Okay. If it does get too loud, maybe you you can tap it down for me then. Well, there's a theme that I feel like God has been stirring in my heart, and I had multiple options of pursuing the communication of this theme. Um, Chatted with these guys, with David and Cara earlier today, just to see if there was anything I could be praying for. I was spending some time here in this room, and I just felt the Lord's presence. And, you know, it was really encouraging because, do you care if I read what you sent me? I don't think it was anything personal. I mean, it was personal, but, you know, it wasn't like, yeah, I'm dealing with this sin. Here's what it is. This was what David and Kara are, are praying for. And I, I would just, I would take hold of this for yourselves. Only that we would experience a greater revelation of him and his love. A greater revelation of Jesus and his love so that we can have a greater holy fear of him but also to know in our hearts that we are his sons and daughters and that he would remove anything of an orphan spirit from us that's good you know part of our our heart as legacy city church we, we believe so deeply that it's important for Christians to know who Jesus saved you to become. That you're not just a sinner saved by grace. You're not just a lowly worm, barely, you know, making it through life and 
Jesus, because he had a little compassion, he decided to pick you up and save you and blow the dust off you. You know, the Bible tells us that, that those who believed in him, those who received him, John chapter 1, verse 12, to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Sons and daughters. When Jesus was getting ready to ascend, he told the disciples, I'm, I am returning to my father and your father, my God and your God. Now, I don't want that to mess up your theology. We believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons, one Godhead. But Jesus came to reconcile us to the Father, that we would have a connection with our Creator God, our Father. Now, does that mean that we can just you know, be flippant about how we approach Him? Well, you know, I think there's grace for ways that we run into the presence of, of our Daddy God. Because Jesus did say, you know, that we have to come to Him like little children. And I think there's definitely a place to approach God as a child, as a son, as a daughter. But there's also a recognizing, a realization as the writer of Hebrews says, our God is an all-consuming fire. And we should worship Him with reverence and awe. So, hence this book that we are taking a journey on, actually in September. This is a slight announcement, but it's just kind of, I'm communicating our heart here. We're gonna do a Wednesday night, six-week journey with this book on our Wednesday night meetings about the awe of God. And it's, it's about having a, a healthy fear of God. Healthy fear. Not a fear that makes you want to run away from Him because you're scared of Him, but a fear that drives you right to Him because you don't want to live life away from Him. In a nutshell, that's what it is. So we're going to take that journey. But we, we feel so strong that you, you and I, knowing who we are, that we are sons and daughters of God, that you have the Holy Spirit that was given to you when you gave your life to Jesus. When you said, Jesus, I want to put my faith in what you did on the cross for me, that you died for me, that you came to save me. When you confessed him as Lord, when you said, I want you to be the Lord of my life, the Bible tells us in, in Ephesians chapter 1, having believed, you received the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. So you received, you and I received the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. He is in you. If you're a Christian, He lives inside of you. The book of Romans in chapter 8 says, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, then they don't belong to Jesus. They don't belong to Him. So if you want to settle the matter tonight, this is a time. If you don't know whether or not you have the Spirit of Jesus living inside of you, but you believe that He died for you, 
then right now, just pray this with me. I'm not, I didn't know I was going to do an altar call all of a sudden, but let's just do this. Just pray this with me. If, if you want to know you're saved, just say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I believe in what you did for me. That your cross was the answer to my sin. That your blood completely covers me and washes away my sin. My debt was forgiven by your death on the cross. And as I confess you as Lord, would you come into my life? I feel the presence of God right now. Maybe I wasn't saved and I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Maybe, maybe you're feeling his presence right now. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me on the inside. Seal me for heaven. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. We're going to, let's start with the scripture. I wasn't planning on popping that up there. That was the only one that didn't have a sound file connected to it. Otherwise, it was going to keep going, making that creepy noise. Sound like boots marching or something. I was getting kind of scared. It's either heaven or something else. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. This is speaking about when Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended on high. It says, when he ascended, he appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. We call that the fivefold ministry. Those are gifts of Christ to the church. When he ascended on high, he, Jesus, gave those gifts to the church. And there's a purpose for the giving of these gifts, these offices. You could call them an office gift. Their calling is to nurture and prepare all y'all, all of us, to prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. So when you got saved, the Holy Spirit released within you the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption, and you automatically stepped into full-time ministry. Whether that ministry is just pastoring yourself, leading yourself to this book, to opening up the Word of God on your own, in your own private quiet space, learning how to lift up your voice in worship, learning how to talk to God in prayer. Your first ministry is to lead yourself. Now, yes, included in the fivefold, there is the pastor. There's pastors and teachers, and they do have a job to, to continue to help lead God's people. But you stepped into full-time ministry. You are a priest, a royal priest. to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. 
So we would consider ourselves a church that is a five-fold ministry-based church. We believe in all five of those offices as functional today. If you were to continue to read Ephesians 4 verses after verse 12, it would say, until, so that um, the work of the ministry, the, the fivefold ministry would equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And then the next verse in 13 says, until, until we all grow up into maturity, into complete, the complete stature of Christ depending on which translation you look at. It says manhood or maturity, the stature of Christ. In other words, the will of God is that we would mature and become like Jesus. That we would walk as sons and daughters of God, anointed by the Spirit of Jesus to do the same works that Jesus did. If you're not sure about that, just jot down John chapter 14. I think it's 14:12. Jesus said, the same works that I do, you also will do, because I'm going to go to the Father. That's not the message today. I really want to hone in on one of two of these fivefold gifts. So let's go ahead and look at the next scripture. There's only two scriptures I have for the screen tonight. So I'll give you guys some references if you want to jot them down or look them up. I have to apologize. I chose the Passion Translation, and not everybody has the Passion Translation, but use whatever version of the Bible you have and just look along. So Ephesians 2.20, so if we jump back two chapters, Paul is describing us, the church, believers in Jesus as these stones, these parts of a holy temple that come together to become a temple of worship. He says, you are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives have been built upon, excuse me, built up together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. So Jesus is our, is our chief cornerstone. He is the, we were singing it tonight, you are the rock on which I stand. I build my life on Jesus. I could have just sang that song all night long. I was getting a little passionate. Hopefully I didn't scare anybody, but I just, you know, when we worship in this place, all restrictions are off. You get to dive in and, and belt out your songs to the Lord as loud as you can. Who cares what you sound like? So Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is our firm foundation. But the church the body of Christ is to be built on this foundation with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, this foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And then you jump ahead to the, the last scripture that Christ gave this fivefold, these fivefold ministry offices to the church to equip us. And in that list is the apostle and the prophet, which is mentioned here for the foundation. And then after the apostle and the prophet, there's the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher. Most of us as Christians only know of pastor. Oh, you're a children's pastor, you're a worship pastor, you're the intercession pastor, you're the, you know, the senior pastor, oh, you're an associate pastor, children's ministry pastor, 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 pastor. Lots of pastors. But you know, some, some people are not called to the office of pastor. Some people are not called to the office of teacher or even evangelist. But does that mean you shouldn't have the heart of an evangelist? Does that mean you shouldn't have the ability to pastor somebody, to shepherd somebody? 
maybe to, to be able to teach or to be teachable. See, those fivefold gifts were given to us to equip us to become, to receive the anointing that each one of those five carries. So the apostle and the prophet, which is part of the foundation of the, of the church that we are built on with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone, the apostle and the prophet have a function. I'm not going to focus on the apostle other than I'll, I'll mention a couple things. Apostles are oftentimes referred to as fathers, but they are fathers and mothers in the faith. So they, they speak a message. They, they bring to the church a strengthening grace to raise up the sons and daughters of God into maturity. That's part of it, just a little part. They also have been graced by God with seeing things from a heavenly perspective, like seeing into the foundations of the church, the blueprint of heaven being impressed and stamped in their DNA, being able to see what on earth, what on earth is going on? What is going on in the foundations of local churches just like Paul, he traveled around and he spoke into the local bodies. He gave them words of exhortation, encouragement, sometimes a rebuke. He spoke into their foundation. He gave them instructions on how they could become stronger, grow in unity, and become a mature bride of Christ. That's all I'm going to say. There's other facets of the apostle. Miracles, signs, and wonders should, should be a part of their ministry. But I want to talk about the prophet because... One of the most important things you and I can do as Christians. You can go tap it down a little bit. It's just, it's just this one. Okay, if you want to go tap it down or just leave it. It's the, I'd go back there and look with you, but. It's the one that the wireless microphone that's sitting there is plugged into. Just follow the blue line down. Don't tap it down too far. I'll just keep talking right there. That's perfect, right? Got rid of the can. See, now we're no longer in a big can of coffee. I mean, I could be in a big can of coffee and be happy as long as I could have some water and a cup to drink it. Let me just look at a couple things here. You doing okay? If you want to inter interrupt me at any time, my, my sweetheart... Oh boy, I had some prophetic words here too. That, but we'll get to that because it'll fit once you kind of hear what I'm, what I'm leaning into. So this is just some stuff I typed up today. How important is it for you personally to hear the voice of God? Very. That should probably be the answer. In fact, just say it with these two. How important is it for you and I to hear the voice of God for us, for me personally, for you personally? Very important very important. How you and I navigate through any chaotic experience or non-chaotic, any emotional or mental turmoil, or even when there's just a nice peaceful season in life, how you navigate through those things, how you navigate through the crazy stuff going on in the world right now, how you navigate, not that you navigate, but how you do it. How you walk through it is a direct result of what you are hearing and believing. I'm going to look at, oh, I already have it open, good. 
won't need that tonight. Figured out a different way to have the angel music in the background without it being on the slides. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. For although we live in the natural realm, true, if you're alive and breathing, you're in the natural realm right now. Although we live in, a natural, in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power, just say divine power, to effectively dismantle, say dismantle. Uh, I want you to take this home tonight. You have been given divine power. The Holy Spirit in you is the dunamis dynamite power of God. The same spirit, I'm on a preach mode, sorry guys. No, no apologies. I, I say that not really sorry. Sorry, but not sorry. You received the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He is alive. He is not dead. The grave is empty. He proved that he's the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And he ascended on high and he released the Holy Spirit to come and baptize and fill every believer with that same power to give you and I boldness and power to do the work of ministry that he's called us to do. So that power isn't just to give you peace and chill to navigate through the storm, which is true, but it's not just for that. Like the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, God wants it to guard your heart and your mind as you put your faith in Jesus. As you fix your eyes on the compass, on King Jesus, and you navigate the storms of life, his perfect peace will keep you. Okay, but it's not just about that. Perfect peace, that's just one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit being in you. Same with the love of God that, that fills you with compassion for people that are broken, that are in need, that are hurting, that are dying, that are lost. Same with the joy of the Lord. I mean, we can't be a bunch of sour, lemon-sucking Christians looking like we ate a bitter pill. No, we have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what uh, Second. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 14. I can't even think right now which one it is. I think it might be uh, 2 Corinthians 14. We'll just guess. Paul said that the kingdom of heaven is not about food and drink. It's not about eating and drinking. It is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, which means a third of the kingdom is joy. And that, that kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is in you, in you then the kingdom is in you. The king is, kingdom is just the king's domain. The dominion of Jesus. Is he the Lord of your life? He's the Lord of my life. And if he's the Lord of mine and your lives, then that means his dominion, his lordship is over us. That we've said, Jesus, I want you to have dominion. I want you to be Lord of my life. So where the kingdom, which is within us, is ruling and reigning, it consists of righteousness, which is very important. Doesn't mean we can just go sin in all we want think, oh God, your grace will cover me every time. Well, yeah, his grace will cover your sin, but you have been called to a higher life. You have been, you and I have been called to live and rule and reign as kings, rule and reign in life. 
Righteousness, peace, so we shouldn't be chaotic and full of turmoil and stressed out with our hair all crazy, like women look in the mornings when they get up. <laughs> well, some of us guys, you know, where there's not a whole lot that we can speak for, so. Uh, Ethan, you got the most hair out of all of us guys. So <laughs> we'll just go with you. Righteousness, peace instead of chaos, and the joy instead of sucking lemons. We are not called to look at the world through bitterness and is it dying? If you don't have joy in the Holy Spirit, you need to look at what's stealing that joy from you and get rid of it. You need to cut it off. It has to be cut off. Yeah. You cannot let people or things steal your joy. Amen. So that comes to this. The power of God was given to you and I so that we can dismantle some things. I don't know what the other versions, I probably could read it from the NIV. If you're in this room and you're NIV positive, then you'll like, you'll like, I'm just gonna read it from, I got it open here, so. So we have been energized with divine power to effectively, not just halfway, but effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. I would, I would say that these defenses that people hide behind are based and rooted in lies. But let's just read a little further. It says, we can demolish, to say demolish. It's fun to say some words. I don't want you guys to get bored, so I want you to say some things. Jesus didn't think his way out of the wilderness. He didn't battle the devil with just a thought. He spoke. He declared the word of God. So it's good to, to learn how to loosen your tongue and know the power of your words. Speak life and not death. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. Here's my favorite part. We capture, say capture. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought. Where's the battle if it's every thought? between your ears. Yeah, there's a real devil, there's a real spirit realm, there's a second heaven, there's a second heaven level where angels and demons are combating and we don't need to get caught up in that because you and I are seated with Christ in heavenly places or as we would call it the third heaven. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm and we do our war from victory where we are seated with Christ through that second heaven, through the demonic angelic warring straight to earth, as Jesus told us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on this earth, just as it is in heaven. So what do we do here? We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Okay, so if I'm struggling with some stinking thinking, I'm worried, I'm like, oh, the doctor, he's gonna, you know, do some blood work and he's, gave me a diagnosis. He's like, well, I want to take a closer look. These numbers seem like there could be something going on. Spirit of fear comes flying like a black bird and it wants to land on top of my head and start building a nest. It wants to release its fear eggs right into that nest and give birth into a takeover of my brain. I have to recognize, and you and I both, all of us both, all y'all, all of us, 
we get to recognize when the spirits of deception, which their, their main tool is lies. Jesus said he's the father of lies. He's a liar from the beginning. He comes to steal and rob your authority by bringing a lie. And if he can get you to partner with that lie and put your faith in that lie, then you're going to have faith in his kingdom. And you're going to help establish a stronghold of his kingdom. So what does it say here? It says, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow to obedience in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. You and I get to take those thoughts. This is probably a good takeaway tonight. Learn how to take those thoughts. You have the ability to grab the things that are floating around between your ears and say, wait a minute, that's a lie. In fact, you have the ability to talk to God because you are a prophetic person. You have the Spirit of God living within you so that you can hear the voice of God. All you need to do is say, Father God, are there any lies that I'm believing? Good way to cover all your bases. You can say, Father God, am I believing any lies about you? Am I believing any lies about myself? That's an important one. You need to know who you are and where you stand with him. You need to know, are there any lies that I'm believing about my circumstances? Is the doctor gonna tell me I got cancer and I'm gonna die? Is that the final word? What do you have to say about it? What, are there any lies I'm believing about other people? You know, so much of what we believe that's going on in people's minds, if you're like me, you make it up. They're probably thinking this. They're probably, yeah, and they're probably saying this. And, you know, then you build this whole storyline of what they're probably not even close to thinking. Am I the only one? Just, just give me a nod. Okay, okay or shake your, okay. Uh, thank, thank you, Lord. Thank you guys for your honesty. I'm not the only one. Hey, we're going to look at a different scripture. So, so I, I want to kind of, this is going to be a, a random smorgasbord of scriptures, and we're not going to go a whole lot further. Let me look at my notes. How important it is for you to hear the voice of God? Very. Everyone agreed on that. If we're going to navigate through life, through the good, the bad, and the ugly, then we, how we do it depends on how we hear and how we believe. Okay, so we looked at how we can take captive our thoughts. You can actually rule over your mind. You don't have to be led by your, your sarks, the Greek word sarks, your flesh, because the flesh really sarks. Thank you. I got a little bit of giggles. In <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4 says that the word of God is what? What is this? The Bible. The Bible. Okay, someone else, what is this? The word of God. It's sword of the Spirit. But it's, what is this? The word of God. And it is, it is powerful. Well, you guys are messing it up. So, Okay. I wasn't trying to get you to quote uh, uh, Hebrews 4. This is the Bible, and it's powerful. It's the Word of God. Amen. Hebrews 4 says about the book, the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, right? Very sharp. Carefully, you cut yourself. Hand it to a child and say, run with it. <laughs> sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts, and it penetrates, and it divides what is soul and what a spirit. Do you want to be a soulish Christian or a carnal Christian? 
be carnal-minded, soul and spirit. The Word of God, the written Word of God and the rhema Word of God from the Spirit of God speaking to your spirit will tell you what is of your flesh and what is of the Spirit. All you and I have to learn how to do is get with Him, get into the book, and turn our ears to heaven and ask Him questions and then shut up. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up long enough. Shut up, shut up. Shut up long enough. I'm not trying to be rude to you guys. I'm just trying to be lighthearted. We have to learn how to close our mouths and quiet our minds down enough to where we can actually hear Him. I would encourage you, if you're on a journey learning how to hear God's voice, take a notepad, keep it in front of you in your, with your Bible and as you're praying, and if you start getting distracted with thoughts, hit the pause button, God's okay with it. Write down what you're thinking of, get your laundry list real quick. Oh yeah, I gotta get that at the store. Write it down, now go back to him. That won't distract you anymore. It's just a helpful tool. Notepad or use your phone, whatever. Okay, so the voice of God. You know, one of the the powerful things that God does, the Bible says that he calls the things that are not as though they are. He says that you are a holy, dearly loved child of God. And you think, but I'm not holy. I've cussed big time today or whatever you did. God speaks things over you that are what you are destined for. It is the final product of who you are. You are on a journey walking in holiness, walking in the fear of God, but who you really are is holy and dearly loved. All right, let me move on. I'm getting a little bit sidetracked by my own thoughts here. It's important to to understand that. Like when you first got saved and you're still, you know, reeking of the smell of all the sin that you were rolling around in, like a cat in the dirt or a dog in a litter box, I don't know, something like that. Whatever you were rolling around in and you still kind of carried that, the funk on you and you gave your life to Jesus, he saw you and sees you now. He, he can't love you any more at that moment than he does right now or ever will. His love never changes, it never fails. He knew what you would do. He knows what you're gonna do next week. He knows what you did last week. He knows who you are. And he calls you something that you may not feel like you are. He calls you holy. He calls you, you are the righteousness of Christ because you have the Holy Spirit living in you and you've been credited by God all of the righteousness that you'll ever need. It's complete. The work is finished. Jesus transferred to your bank account a full account of righteousness. That's good news. Should make us a little happy. Hallelujah. Okay, so you got to know what the Lord is saying about you, your circumstances, your family, people around you, even about him. God, are there any lies I'm believing about you? Sometimes the best, easiest, I'll say the easiest way to ask him these questions is to look for a yes or a no. So just let's practice this real quick. Just close your eyes and just repeat after me. Father God, 
Are there any lies that I'm believing about you? Don't overthink it. If you felt like there was a yes or a no, if it was a no, then be thankful. But if you heard a yes, then say, Father God, you can repeat that part even if you heard no. So just say, Father God, what is that lie? So if the Lord showed you a lie that you're believing about him, then I want you to ask him this, what is the truth? This is an opportunity. If you're actually hearing the Lord show you what lie you are believing about him and what is the truth, this is your chance where you can say, Father God, I renounce that lie and I hand it to you. What do you have for me in exchange? You might feel something, sense something. You might hear, you might think of a scripture. These are all ways that God speaks. You know, his, his first language is not English. He speaks to you through, through hearing, through seeing, through bringing scripture to mind. Okay, you can open your eyes. I want you to fall asleep, so don't fall asleep, guys. <laughs> so the enemy tactic is lying. He's the father of lies. If you know the truth, the truth will what? Set you free. What we believe, what we attach our faith to, and what we don't want to attach faith. Boy, I shouldn't just read my own notes here. What we believe and what we attach our faith to. We don't want to attach our faith to a lie. That's basically what I was trying to type here, but I don't know what I typed. I'll just put that aside. Being an apostolic prophetic people, being a, a, a person, a human being that is that is has that has in your foundation a prophetic unction, a prophetic anointing, just means that you've been activated, you you've been awakened, you've you've gotten some revelation from God that you actually can hear his voice. The the gift of the prophet to the body of Christ is to release an anointing to equip you and I to hear God's voice. Let's just take a look at a scripture here. We'll probably, we'll close with this. Hope you guys are doing okay. I feel like I'm all over the place tonight. I actually wasn't planning on going this route. I thought we were gonna have a little smaller group and I had a video prepared um, of one of our stream voices, uh, Chris Ballatin, talking about the prophetic. And he really brought some really important light to the power of the prophetic. Enough to where I really felt like we, we would benefit from it. But then Tammy uh, gave me a word at the end of during worship that I was already feeling in agreement with that don't do the video. So I didn't. So I just got to piece together the scriptures that God kind of dropped on me earlier today, which go figure. That's what he wanted us to cover. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you guys just, just receive the word of God, okay? 
this isn't going to be Scott talking. I'm just going to read, although I might pause and interject, but, but I'll do my best not to do that. Where do I want to start? Oh, it's chapter 2. I'm sorry. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 2. Let's just start from the beginning. Which version are you guys reading? Okay, well, so it won't matter what I read then. What did I hear over there? Message? Oh, that's going to be really different, but that's okay. I'm just going to go with the Passion Translation. You guys just try to read along in yours. So my brothers and sisters, verse 1. When I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert. There's some wisdom there trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus Christ, sorry, it doesn't say that, it says Jesus, the crucified Messiah. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God, or the awe of God, and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. And this wisdom that didn't originate, it's wisdom, excuse me, it's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world or present world order understood it. If they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of of shining glory. This is why the scripture says, things never discovered or heard before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. But now, God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. I just want to pause for a second. The Holy Spirit in you is in you for many purposes, but for one of those purposes, it is to reveal to you these realities. Having the realities of the supernatural realm revealed to you. Let me just keep reading. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? In other words, nobody can read your mind. Nobody knows what's going on in the deepest part of your thinking right now except for your spirit within you. 
and God, of course. But this is, he's talking about God, the Holy Spirit of God. So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. So if the spirit of God knows the secrets, the mind of God, the thoughts of God, and he's living inside of you, then you carry a really powerful, precious treasure. But I'm going to continue to read here. Verse 12. Is that 12? Yes. Close one eye. Maybe I can read it. Yeah, that's a 12. Okay. For we did not receive the spirit of this world, this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might become, man, I am totally messing this up. It's because I'm reading a version I'm not familiar with. Let me start over. We did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit. They make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For who has intimately known the mind of the Lord, Yahweh, well enough to become his counselor? But Christ has, and we possess, your version would say, the mind of Christ. Passion says Christ's perceptions. I'd rather just say the mind of Christ. In other words, the Spirit of God who searches the, all of the things of God, the heart of God, the mind of God, is inside you and I to reveal to you and I God's perspective. You and I have the mind of Christ. You and I have the ability to hear the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep, which is us, will know his voice and we won't follow after a stranger. So I'm gonna just put an amen on that now because it's, it's going on eight. Tammy's got something. You know, I just want to go back to the whole thing with joy. I was thinking about it, and I don't want to leave it how I left it. If there are things that we are watching or listening to or doing that are robbing our joy, those things we need to cut off. If it's people, especially spouse or family members, we don't just discard them. Um, we might have to set boundaries with people, but... We need to, especially if it's a spouse, like we need to figure out, help them figure out like what's going on, you know, the deepest part of them, why they're lacking joy. But I just want to like, I don't want someone to come back later and be like, you said to cut that person, cut them off. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> saying the things that are <laughs> things, not people. Boundaries. So, but there might have to be boundaries. So anyway. That's good. So the whole purpose of this tonight is just to stir us to refresh our, our thinking of who we are, whose we are, that the Spirit of God is in you, that you have the mind of Christ, that you can hear His voice. And it's, it's important and it's good for us to learn how to ask Him questions, especially if there are things that are lies, that are because that's where the deception comes in. Deception lies. Duh. 
That's where we get off track, when the enemy sneaks a lie in and we attach faith to it. We're like, yeah, I believe that. You may not even know you're hearing a lie. You just might be thinking you're thinking it, but it's not coming from you. Sometimes it could come from you. It would just be a, a stink, I call it stinking thinking, just, you know, kind of looking at something in a, with a negative lens. But it's important when there's negativity, when there's hopelessness, when there's bitterness, you know, everything opposite of, of the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit. If any of that stuff starts to get on you or in you, it's important to ask God those questions. God, am I believing lies? Where did this lie come from? Did I open a door for this lie? What's the truth? You know, and then hand it to him. Oh, God, I hand this lie to you. I hand it to you. What will you give me in exchange? I, like, I renounce that stuff. I, I don't want to partner with what the spirit of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, wants to try to infiltrate this kingdom up here between my ears, which is, belongs to, to the kingdom of light, to Jesus. We want Jesus to rule and reign over our thinking. And we want to partner with heaven and towards his thoughts. So, with that said, I just I had a couple words of encouragement tonight. I often will look up people's names. And so I looked up Sherry. You know what your name means? I'll tell you what your name means. This, so this is really awesome. Um, this isn't what God says. This is just what the meaning of your name is. The name Sherry or Cheryl, Cheryl, Cheryl um, means, I'd have to look up your name. That's my sister Cheryl with a C-H. I don't know if it's the same meaning or not. But your name means green gemstone. Green, a green gemstone. And it means cherry fruit. Two really beautiful pictures. And so I look up your name and I'm like, God, what is it about Sherry's name that you want to impress on my heart to communicate to her? And I felt like that scripture, I um, thought I had it written down. Second Peter says, oh, it's on my phone right here. First Peter 2 says, you are, a, you are God's chosen treasure. So you are that, that precious green gemstone. And I felt like the color green just speaks of life, that you carry life. And there's something about cherries. They're just, they're pleasant to the eye. They taste good. Yeah, they got a pit inside of them, but we're not going to worry about that part. <laughs> we'll, we'll forget about the stem. There's just a sweetness and something about the cherry that, that wakes your mouth up. And you're just like, this is good. This is good fruit. I just feel like I'm going to just speak right now, and I believe that you guys in this room will agree with me. We just speak over your life that you are good fruit, that the Lord says you are good fruit, that you're a precious treasure to him, that he protects you because you're so valuable, and you release life. You carry the life giver, and you release that life. You are marked by God. He's placed within you the words of life. And you release the newness, the newness of life as the Holy Spirit flows through you, through your words, 
through your smile, through your encouragement, that you are a blessing and you are good fruit to the Lord. So we just bless you with that in Jesus' name. Do you receive it? Amen. We had to to teach people to say, I receive it. (laughs) We don't do that always. Um, Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't normally do this, so we're going to give you the exception tonight. If y'all don't remember this, okay, we don't usually go around with a microphone because then we never end the meeting and it just goes and goes. But you can speak in this. Okay. Um, first thing that came to my mind when you when you first said the green, it was I thought of an emerald in the light that comes out from the emerald in the life that it, the green represents. I also thought of the cherry. The first thing, I mean, this was just in seconds. And the cherry to me represented sweetness, as you said, and the beautiful red that attracts you. And you, you, maybe if you've never had a cherry, you don't know why it attracts you, but it does. And so you take a bite and it's sweet. But that reminded me of the blood that Jesus Christ shed for us that was bittersweet. There was bitterness in his death, but there was also joy that made it sweet because it was finished. Well, she gave herself a better prophetic word than I gave her. (laughs) If it's biblical, speak it over yourself. I've heard that some of the most powerful prophetic words that can be given are the ones you can speak over yourself. What does God have to say about you? And then just speak it out. William, I I just got a really simple one, but it's powerful. You know, when I looked at your name, it it means a strong-willed warrior. And I just, I don't know you, except for I was your mailman for a couple years, and now it's been like three years since I was on that route, but I see you walking around, and I just see a determination. Like God has given you a spirit that's determined that just goes, like the Energizer Bunny. You just keep on going and going and going. But it's not because of your your DNA that you're just born with this grace to just, you know, have longevity, although I believe that's part of what God's designed you and created you with, that you're a man of health and longevity and life. But there's a determination, like the strong-willed warrior. I just feel like God wants you to know that he has designed you and placed within you a fight, a fight for what is true, a fight for what is righteous, a fight for what is noble. And you carry that. You carry that. So I just want to bless you with that. I want to, I want to just pray that God would remind you of, of how he sees you so that when you're facing situations or you're interacting with people, you will remember that you are a fighter for truth, a fighter for what is pure and and holy and noble. So you're the strong-willed warrior. And maybe when you were two, you were strong-willed in a bad way. (laughs) But you're not two anymore, so we just bless you. That's true, that's true. So our 10-year-olds and us. Just kidding. Why don't you guys stand up? Let's just do a, say a quick prayer. And then we'll open up for any uh, uh, more prayer. 
we always, we always want to make opportunity if, if someone is here and they need physical healing, that we will, would like to take some time and pray for you. Um, I'm just going to testify this week, for a long time since last, I don't know, months and months, I've had this pain in my, in my thigh that wakes me up at night. It's very uh, painful. It's just a painful pain. And uh, two days ago, I was listening to a worship album doing my route, and I felt the presence of God it kept like coming over my head, and the pain in my leg was gone. And I felt like the Lord told me, it is awesome. I was like, I was like, God, where's the pain? And I felt like he said, this isn't because you prayed for it. <laughs> Sorry, I try not to cry. This is because I love you. And this is just a gift. No one had to pray for me. You might feel like you have something going on in your physical body. I want you to know right now that God loves you so much. Just let's just pray. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your, your presence. We thank you for your compassion and kindness over every one of us in this room. We recognize it, Lord. God, we thank you for your, your divine and constant care over us. We thank you that you take things that are broken and you heal them, you mend them. Lord, you cause pain to go away. You take things that are out of alignment and you bring them back into place. You're the great fixer. You are the healer. You make all things new. So Lord, we just thank you for this evening, this time of worship, the time of being in your word. Lord, I help, pray that you'd help make sense of all of it for everyone and uh, give me peace about it. And uh, yeah, Lord, we just ask even now that you would touch bodies in this room. Holy Spirit, come. Let your kingdom just be released now in every body. We just speak to brokenness. We speak to things that need healing. We speak, just place your hands again. I know we did this in communion, but just receive the children's bread. Jesus, we thank you that you died for our freedom, for our forgiveness, and for our restoration of our bodies through healing. We just bless everyone here tonight in Jesus' name. We bless them in Jesus' name.